0: This is Liquid Gold.
1: Where all the desert plants just make us want to dance. Welcome back to Liquid Gold here on We Own This Town. We this Town.net. My name's Mike Wolf, your host today, along with my co-host, Mr. Kenneth Dedman. We'll be getting him on the line shortly. Jam-packed day today in the Liquid Gold studios. So much going on. It's Agave month. It's August. We are talking about all the lovely agave spirits their cousins we will be extending agave month a little bit it's complicated we have a little bonus agave month episode coming next week where we talk so tall we're going to get into that with adam morgan from husk our pal and comrade former comrade he's always been a big fan of so tall kenneth and i love so tall which is not technically an agave though for a long time they thought it was but it's it's related but it's slightly different. Today, we're gonna talk about Recia, Bacanora, Mezcal, sisters, brothers, of agave, of tequila. The reason that these spirits are so fascinating is the fact that they all have these different denominations of origins and yet are similar, but also, probably the most fascinating thing about Recia, Bacanora, Mezcal is the fact that they really show terroir. How they can be similar, but also different both from each other and from different expressions from different areas. So we're getting a little more specific today, getting a little more nerdy. These are the kinds of spirits you could mix around and mess around with just like you could with rum, with different tiki drinks where you're making a drink that has Jamaican rum, a Martinique rum, and maybe a lighter Panama style or Puerto Rican style. And together, all those different flavors gives you a really unique profile to use in a cocktail. Some of these agave spirits can be similar with that, where you could get into some kind of next level, I guess we could say mixology, since some of us don't have jobs, where you're pulling like earth and salt of the earth from say a coastal, racia, and then blending that with a olive brine slash smoky mezcal. You can do really interesting things with these products. And they're just delicious on their own. And that's probably the way to enjoy a lot of these things. Um, so lots to talk about with those today. And we're gonna just probably gonna have to hit them relatively quick and talk about their differences. Uh, we're gonna talk to Gabe Mayor of Bar Sovereign. Gonna talk to him later. He is featured in the new book, the ebook, which we gotta throw a shout out to from Turner Publishing, Lost Spring: How We Cocktailed Through Crisis. And this is a new ebook that I compiled and wrote some intros and a few essays and really just bothered people for, for a couple months about, uh, send me a recipe, send me your thoughts about quarantine and what has helped you get through this. How have you managed this whole situation? What do you miss about bartending? Where do you see it going? From all those thoughts, compiled this ebook. This is just raw emotion and feeling about what we miss about what we love to do and it's going to benefit tennessee action for hospitality and they're doing amazing things they are giving grants to hospitality workers who need it the most so this is a really good cause we can we can help out our teammates in the industry there's an amazon link on the liquid gold bio and on my bio as well at mike wolf underscore garden to glass and then you can find the liquid gold one at liquid gold underscore pod and as always email us liquidgoldpod at gmail.com but do check out the ebook it's only 6.99 as we had mentioned last week the cost of a of a happy hour drink and there are some amazing drinks in there and some really really talented bartenders with some revealing things uh, i'll read you one here this one comes from brandon bramhall who runs the bar at Attaboy. He is the managing partner over there and just super talented. Those of us who have sat down in front of Brandon have had amazing drinks, along with Riley Perrin and Michael McCollum. Uh, They hold the fort down over there and lost one of their bartenders and close friends, Mike Dolphini, in the terrible tornado that ripped through Nashville in in early March. And so it's been a really heavy time. Uh, Attaboy got damaged in the tornadoes. It's just a heavy time for those guys. Brandon in the book said about what he misses about bartending, quote, I miss being able to make people happy on a nightly basis, spending the time working towards a unified goal with the respective staffs. I miss riding the wave of a busy rush and seeing everyone work through their respective challenges in their station or section. Coming out the other side, high fives and laughs, wrapping up a night. General camaraderie as a whole, it's tough to be apart from people you normally spend 10 to 12 hour shifts with several times a week. End quote. And it is. Another one in here I want to read, Jeremiah Blake. I worked with him for years at Holland House. He's doing amazing things. He did the Green Hour bar for a long time when it was just awesome with all the lovely absinthe drinks and uh, grasshopper riffs that he was doing over there. He's got a cool recipe in the book, as well as some cool thoughts, as well as some very honest thoughts. Uh, Quote, I miss the friendships and camaraderie with my team. I miss the jokes and seeing my favorite faces. I miss the excitement of the night and rhythm of it all. I miss the connecting over a cocktail and bonding over shared experiences. Mostly, though, I miss the nachos. End quote. That's Jeremiah Blake, who's at the Bastion Little Bar these days, and... There's a lot of really awesome stuff in here, so check it out. Okay. We're going to talk to Gabe from Bar Sovereign later about his Mezcal drink in the book, and I think that's one thing that you notice in the book about bartenders is they love Mezcal, and if they're making drinks for each other and for themselves, there's a good chance they're making Mezcal cocktails. In just a little bit, we're going to hear from Jessica Backus and her contributions to the book, Lost Spring. She... um. Did some really cool stuff in there talking about pairing cocktails with movies. So she's going to give a few of those from the book that she contributed. Also talk about what helped her through in talking about The Little Prince, one of her favorite books. She also has one of my favorite parts in there is her section on pairing frozen foods and just regular old grocery store foods with decent wine. So... That'll be fun. We'll, we'll, we'll hear from her. And then also Patrick Goodspeed, who did the Lost Spring playlist called Disintegration. You can check that out on Spotify. Amazing playlist. What is it? Almost nine, 10 hours of music. Um, so you can leave it on throughout the day. And it's just got a really good vibe. And we thought it would be with all the great music that people were listening to and talked about in the book that helped them get through this period. We thought it'd be awesome to have a playlist to go along with that. So Patrick's going to share some of his thoughts about putting together the playlist and then also his Mezcal drink in the book. So we've got a jam-packed day today here on Liquid Gold. We've, of course, got Kenneth Dedman and booze News. He'll have a story about following up on the California wildfires, some of the insurance issues inherent in dealing with the uh, smoky effects that this will have on the grapes and a lot of the agriculture out there so we'll talk to him and before we do all that and get into talking to gabe from bar sovereign since we're going to be talking about mezcal let's touch on mezcal real quick before we get into bacanora Recia, some of these other lovely agave spirits um, with mezcal terroir is big there are nine states of denomination of origin of mezcal where it can be legally produced the agave can be either wild, semi-wild, or cultivated. Uh, before harvesting, the mezcaleros must identify mature agaves as these are the uh, the plants that have the greatest sugar content, and they will produce the best mezcal. This is done typically when the inflorescence begins to bloom. So that's something we'll post on our Instagram, at liquidgold underscore pod. We've got some cool photos to share of an agave in bloom in the Sonora state, actually. When the uh, when the ripe agaves are harvested, they have their leaves shaved off, which I'm sure you've seen that. If you know the tequila brand Fortaleza, they were smart enough, genius actually, to do a hacked up agave as, as their uh, bottle top. So that's pretty amazing. But yeah, the ripe agaves have their leaves shaved off, either using a machete or an ax, leaving the heart of the agave plant known as the piña. Then the heart is roasted. It must be roasted to, uh, in order to be fermented. Typically, this is done in a conical oven underground, and that's one of the things about Bacanora and Mezcal. They are cooked underground, which a lot of people have noted makes for a more smoky characteristic. Um, it can also be done in a brick or a steam oven, a lot of racias that we'll get into, are cooked in brick ovens um now the milling process the agave is then shredded either using an egyptian mill known as a tahona by hand or using a mechanical mill the crushing of the agave permits yeast and other microorganisms to reach the agave sugars in order to be able to ferment then it's uh the agave is fermented with water sits there ferments does its thing Um, this is typically done in open-air vats you get some of the terroir of the area you get some uh, wild yeast the period of fermentation is usually about a week to two weeks then uh, that liquid is distilled double distilled typically and this is done in a copper still a lot of times and also done in clay and stainless steel and uh, there you have it your special jar and if you're down there in oaxaca in talking to a lot of people in preparation for this episode and in just talking to people over the years, we talked to Gabe a little bit about it later, but um, he was in a unique period, a unique area, coastal area of Oaxaca. But what a lot of people say the best mezcal you're going to find driving around, traveling around Oaxaca are in glass jars that uh, you know people talk about in hushed tones with no label on them. They just say, oh, you got to try this. This is good stuff. That's usually the best mezcal you hear about, um, so that makes it kind of special. So look forward to our chat in just a bit here with Gabe. Now let's let's talk about Bacanora a little bit. Bacanora is interesting in that it can only be created from wild agave pacifica, and can only be made in the state of Sonora, where we've got this picture of a incredible agave blossom bloom. Um, it really gives a new meaning to the term bolted because if you've grown cilantro, maybe. And you see how it bolts pretty fast, starts to shoot up, produce flowers, produce seeds. The agave plants, when they do that, they go from this cactus, beautiful cactus, sitting out there in the desert. And then when it blooms, it shoots up like a tree. And it can be as tall as eight to 10 feet high. So pretty fascinating. Um, Bacanora is named after the town of Bacanora in Sonora. The Just as in Mezcal that we talked about, the piñas are cooked in below ground ovens. And they're cooked for two days, then cooled for two days, then fermented usually six to 12 days, and distilled at least two times, sometimes more. And I think what you find, in my experience, in tasting a few bacanoras, as opposed to Mezcal, is it's a little more refined, it's a little more nuanced, typically not as bold of a flavor profile. It's a little bit softer, You you get more earth. Typically you get a little more minerality, but a lovely spirit. Um, and I hope to get to the state of Sonora one of these days to try it out. Now, Recia, we did want to talk a little bit about Recia. Um, one of the things in researching about Recia that I thought was fascinating is they have a council, which reminds me of the Jedi council. I picture like Mexican cowboys and in maybe robes. That'd be cool. Like, uh, like like, like blanket-type robes and and rough cowboy boots and really cool hats and probably awesome belts. But uh, there's a council, so I, I dig that about Recia. It can be created from the Agave Maximiliana or Agave Recia. I hope I'm saying that right. Maximiliana, I believe. I wish Gabe was here to pronounce it because, as you'll see later, Gabe can really pronounce beautifully. He's Colombian, and uh, he's a special dude. So anyway, Recia is produced in Jalisco, like tequila. Now with Recia, the piñas are cooked in above-ground ovens. And similar to how Bacanora can be a little bit more light with a little bit more of an earthy flavor profile, maybe slightly less less smoky. Recia can be floral, can be much lighter, can have all these different... Uh, so some of the briny qualities of some really good mezcals... Recia has some of that. You'll get uh, vegetal flavor similar to tequila. Again, that minerality and earth. It's a beautiful spirit. And uh, I look forward to more Racias coming into the market. There's one in particular that I've tried. And then there's one um, that someone had a, a little secret bottle of that they brought into a bar I was working at one time and got to try that. So I've really only tried a few. Really fascinating spirit in this wide world and wild world of agave. Now, another difference from Recia and tequila is that Recia is roasted while tequila is steamed and uh, Recia roasted similar to Mezcal and Bacanora. It's all delicious. That's all you need to know. It is also often single distilled, which is different than Bacanora and Mezcal, which are typically double distilled. And another interesting fact, uh, Vine Pear had a cool article about Recia where they talked about how some of these distillers in the Occidental Mountains are using stills that they call Asian stills. And these are modeled after uh, copper vessels that Filipino immigrants brought to coastal areas near Puerto Vallarta and near Jalisco, where um, these Filipino immigrants were distilling coconuts. So it's amazing how, in this crazy world of spirits, how how different cultures you wouldn't have thought about can come in and influence A whole category of spirit. And that's something I never knew before. We're always learning something new here on Liquid Gold. There's also a really cool kind of, you know, underground, it's almost like old school moonshine, where a lot of the racia for some of these areas is, you know, distilled on the sly and then sold in unmarked plastic bottles on the side of the road. And Folks who have talked about uh, heading to these different areas, traveling to these areas, say that's where you're going to find the best stuff is on the side of the road in a plastic bottle. So you got to love that. I look forward to just making my way through Mexico at some point to taste all these delicious things. So it really seems like the thing that can separate Recia from all these other agave spirits is the fact that it's single distilled and the fact that you're just going to get a wide variety of flavors. You're going to get more funk. You're going to get more kind of nuance. It's just very, it seems to be quite varied. And uh, look forward to seeing more Racias pop up here in Middle Tennessee. All right. Before we talk to Mr. Kenneth Dedman, we are going to hear from Jess Backus and her portions of Lost Spring, at least some of them. And we're going to hear what helped her get through. So, I'm going to turn things over to Jess.
2: Hey there. I'd like to share a few of the things that have given me comfort, especially on days where it feels like the world is crashing down all around us. My favorite book, The Little Prince, is a novel. It was written in the 1940s by a French pilot, but it's always sort of been a life guidebook for me. It celebrates the youthful perspective and the soulful beauty of appreciating friendship, connection, and nature over money. It's a lot like our industry. I often think all of us who choose this bartending hospitality lifestyle have some of the spirit of the little prince in us, or we would likely choose desk jobs. It's been good to be reminded that life can be uncertain and make us sad, but there is beauty all around us and always something to smile about. There are a few parts of the book that I'd like to read uh, just briefly to remind my fellow barmaidens and barmen to keep hope. In the course of this life, I have had a great many encounters with a great many people who have been concerned with matters of consequence. I have lived a great deal among grown ups. I have seen them intimately, close at hand, and that hasn't much improved my opinion of them. Grown ups love figures. When you tell them that you have made a new friend, they never ask you any questions about essential matters. They never say to you, What does his voice sound like? What games does he love best? Does he collect butterflies? Instead, they demand, how old is he? How many brothers has he? How much does he weigh? How much money does his father make? Only from these figures do they think that they have learned anything about him. If you were to say to the grown-ups, I saw a beautiful house made of rosy brick with geraniums in the windows and doves on the roof, they would not be able to get any idea of that house at all. You would have to say to them, I saw a house that cost $20,000, and they would exclaim, Oh, what a pretty house that is. Just so, you might say to them, The proof that the little prince existed is that he was charming, that he laughed, and that he was looking for a sheep. If anybody wants a sheep, that is a proof that he exists. And what good would it do to tell them that? They would shrug their shoulders and treat you like a child. But if you said to them, The planet he came from is asteroid B612. Then they would be convinced and leave you in peace from their questions. They are like that. One must not hold it against them. Children should always show great forbearance toward grown-up people. Not to say that we aren't grown-ups. We all have to be grown-ups sometimes. But keeping that childlike whimsy about your life, I think, is one of the things that makes people who do what we do so special and that connection that we have with the guests who sit in front of us uh, makes them appreciate that that much more. I've always loved movies and since I discovered my love for food, wine, beverages of all types, I've loved the beauty and the brilliance of pairings. I've watched a lot of movies while sheltered in place and have enjoyed pairing them with cocktails. I call it cinema cocktail hour. It's a unique challenge to find a cocktail in a film that evokes similar emotions or make you feel even better when combined than either does on its own, just like the very best food and beverage pairings. They enhance each other. Both are good already, but significantly better when enjoyed together. The epiphany of a perfect pairing occurs when you discover magnificent characteristics in something because of its harmony with something else. My favorite so far have been Joe versus the Volcano with The Jungle Bird, Funny Face with the Hanky Panky, A Simple Favor with the Gin Martini, and The Old Cuban with any movie that Bobby Cannavale is in, but especially The Station Agent and Spy. I've also been pairing, obviously, a lot of wine with food um, and cooking a lot just like everybody else. Whether you're cooking from scratch or you're cooking frozen food, it's going to bring you comfort. It's going to make you happy, and if you can pair it with some delicious beverage, then it's going to make it even better. Uh, with cheeseburgers and steakums and seared meats of any type like that, I really love sparkling wine. Traditional method is my favorite, or pet nat, really fun and cool. Sparkling rosé is great, preferably not cava. Their bubbles are usually too sharp and can have sort of a coppery flavor that's kind of aggressive for beef with bagel bites, frozen pizza, ravioli-type foods. I love Nebbiolo and Northern Italian blends. Non-classified stuff is usually delicious and cheap. There's a blend from Lange that I've been enjoying a lot over the last few months, and it's less than $15. It's mostly Nebbiolo, and it's absolutely awesome. Sangiovese and Chianti-type blends are really good as well. With curry, Indian Spice Trader Joe's Meals and such, I love Pinot Blanc, Idol's Vicar, and other Alsatian blends. They have a beautiful balance of aroma, fruit, and mineral. I also discovered an amazing winery in Colorado. Yes, you heard me right, Colorado, called the Storm Cellar. They're making incredible whites and rosés and top-notch Riesling that rivals, I guarantee, some of the best Riesling you've ever enjoyed. Strangest pairing of the quarantine, but it is delicious cotton candy flavored ice cream with Pinot Noir. It sounds weird, just trust me. If you're trying to buy wine on the cheap, uh, you can get really good bubbles, traditional method sparkling wine from other parts of France than Champagne. They usually call them Cremant. Cremant de Loire and Cremant de Limoux can be great and really inexpensive. Also, traditional method sparkling from the U.S. can be delicious, especially if you can find it on sale. Gruet from New Mexico is a diamond in the rough. For white wines, I love the Loire Valley in France, northern Italy, all really good minerally stuff. And you can try weird ones from Slovenia and Croatia. They're a great way to get into orange-type wine without paying too much. With red wine, Spain I think is the most bang for your buck, and it pairs so well with almost anything you eat. Dry, dusty Tempranillo, Grenache from northern Spain, even entry-level Rioja, bold and defiant Priorat from the northeast, and dark, rich, juicy wines from the south are usually even delicious. I hope you enjoy, and cheers! All right, lovely words
1: from Jess Backus. Always appreciate her input to the show. She's like our, uh, our pairing contributor, if you will. Right now, I'm going to turn things over to Mr. Patrick Goodspeed. I call him the Picasso of the playlist. Now, Patrick has been doing playlists at bars I've been working at going back eight years or so, or maybe not that far, about six years possibly. And he also did all these different playlists before we opened Chopper. He did uh, playlists representing every country in the world that produces rum. He's got wild taste in music, wild as an agave plant in the middle of the desert in in Mexico. He also makes a damn fine drink and he's got a cool mezcal drink that we're going to talk about. I'll give the recipe on the back side and let's hear from Patrick.
3: Well, bars, restaurants, cafes, it's really how we live. It's how we socialize, it's how we date, it's how we see colleagues, spend time with family, bump into neighbors. And There are a lot of ways to make a playlist in 2020, especially here in Nashville after the tornado with so many emotions going through, probably every single one of us to know what to plan for, even when that might happen, and genuinely what the world and our jobs might look like in a few years. When you think about it, the experience of flying has never really recovered after 9 11 in the way it used to be thought of as a luxury. We still take our shoes off 20 years later, and will bartenders bounce back after every bar and restaurant in the world shuts down because it seems like it could be contaminated? Then, you know, we. Try not to freak out and do normal things all day, every day until somehow it's gonna be okay to go back to work again, okay to go out again. So this playlist isn't really trying to forget what's going on and it's not really to wallow in dramatic sadness either. It's more of an acknowledgement of what's going on that doesn't treat us like we're idiots or babies or pretend we're ultra-tough either. Sort of plays to the human side many of us have had our minds on these past months. Most of us have been trapped and quarantined in our homes and I hope it actually makes your home feel a little more lush and I hope it's comforting to listen to. The grooves sort of chosen on here aren't really dramatic or hyper, but I think kind of beautiful in their own way. Closer to what a day alone in the same place feels like, kind of keeping you company. At times, almost listening like a friend, because there are some quieter moments here and there. And I think it can be really beautiful, and I really wanted to capture what it felt like or what I wanted my home to feel like. I didn't want to hear songs that I hear all the time at the bar or songs that I hear often at all. As much as I usually shy away from things that might be a bit more sensitive on a playlist, I think this is a time where something a little bit more sensitive feels welcome. Growing up, We usually made fun of various background music like Muzak, easy listening, elevator music, acid jazz, rainy day, jazz mixes or light jazz. But I think there's a way that you can create a little bit of that atmosphere, but it's still a little bit deeper, a little bit richer and full of culture instead of something generic or forgettable. You know how when you order a margarita, you sometimes start thinking to yourself how to change it or improve it, whether it's adding a little more booze or some bitters or whatever comes in your head. I wanted something refreshing like a margarita, but a little more bitter and herbal, almost like a like a summery IPA. I wanted to add some of the grapefruit to it to give it a little bit of depth and juiciness. But then the Aperol and the Chenar add this happy earthiness that I just love. It goes great with food. It's a little bit richer than your average margarita. The mezcal adds a little bit of almost like a barbecue flavor to it. The color is this gorgeous pink, but it's not a weak drink by anyone's standard. It's something I'd like to not only make but also to drink. It's delicious.
1: And let me give you the recipe for Patrick's Mezcal drink, Little Marie, in the book. He's got a cool little poem in the book that is handwritten. We've got a photo of it in the ebook. But yeah, his recipe, 1.5 ounce mezcal, something bold, three-quarter ounce lime juice half ounce grapefruit juice, half ounce of a rosemary simple or agave syrup, half ounce Aperol. Ooh, doesn't this sound good? Quarter ounce chinar two dashes of Angostura bitters, two dashes of Regan's orange bitters. This is, an, this is an intense drink. You shake all ingredients and strain into a coupe and garnish with either a rosemary sprig, a grapefruit peel, or rosemary salt on the rim. And he gives the recipe for that rosemary cordial... One cup fresh rosemary cooked down into a syrup of two cups water and two cups sugar, slowly simmered for 20 minutes, then remove from heat. Strain when completely cool and bottle. It will keep for one month in the refrigerator. So that's Patrick's recipe right there. And again, check out the playlist Disintegration on Spotify. We'll have links in our uh, stories on Instagram. It's really easy to share playlists in your stories And click, as long as you have the Spotify link, you can click right on to the playlist. All right, keeping it with Mezcal, we're going to throw things to our interview with Gabe Fuenmayor. I hope I'm saying his name right. He says it, of course, much better than I do. Gabe is the owner proprietor of Bar Sovereign, an amazing bar downtown. We talked to him about his recipe in the book and just how it's been, you know, running a bar downtown Nashville through all this craziness. So uh, we'll throw it to Gabe now.
4: Oh, my
1: God. Oh, yeah. On the line <laughs> from downtown.
4: Nashville, Tennessee.
1: That's right. He is <laughs> the owner at Bar Sovereign, a beloved bar here in Nashville, and uh, just a, a, a little diamond in the rough over there downtown.
4: Well, we try our best.
1: Mr. Gabe Fuenmayor.
4: That's me, baby. That's me. It's very nice to see you and talk to you, Mike. Or, well, I'll talk Re- to you. Again.
1: Yeah, really nice to talk to you. Uh, you were always one of my favorite bar guests to have.
4: Oh my god, are you kidding me? Every time I came to your bar, it was like a, it was like a cornucopia of drinks. That was, it was so fun. Just the most unexpected, the most amazing drinks. I always loved them. So much fun
1: nice. having yeah, you and Troy.
4: Keen, very keen. Yeah, Troy. Troy always was. Uh, I think the leader in the in the parade, but uh, I always followed him over there to you, and uh, I loved it. I always thought it was great.
1: So much fun. And uh, we were before the shutdown. We were talking about doing some fun stuff. Doing a few events over there, Um, so it's just wild. It's wild that here we are, months later.
4: It's been such a weird time, you know.
1: So tell us a little bit before we talk about the drink that you submitted for the book, which is one of the best drinks in there. um, Tell me a little bit about what has it has it been just kind of a roller coaster of emotion for you going through, you know oh, shit, we got to shut down to trying to figure out what you can do. And you're also in the midst of, I want to mention that you're in the midst of the downtown situation where you have probably had, because anytime I've cut through downtown doing something or going somewhere, (laughs) running an errand or something, you see the pedal taverns, you see the weird buses and stuff, and you're like, Jesus, this is so weird. What What has that been like for you?
4: I mean, it's a strange situation, honestly, because we're surrounded by things like that. But um, for the most part, these people have been, uh, you know, by their own volition, they've been moved out and found other places they want to, you know, operate out of. But, I mean, the fact that hotels are popping up to the right, left, in front of us, down the street to the left. We have the Bob Dylan, uh, what's it called, Uh, Heaven's Door Distillery opening up down at what used to be uh, an architecture firm. Yep. Uh, like a half block away you know i mean it's 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 not a bad place to be but it's it's been a roller coaster for the last five months for sure because we don't know what's happening i don't know what's happening but we've had some interesting ideas to kind of expand upon and kind of have some friends to come in and help us out with some things It's, it's been very good i mean you know in a way it's been you know we're floating so it's a good thing
1: that's good and you're doing the um black dynasty ramen
4: yeah those guys are there i mean they're, they're magic really i mean they're really magic i mean we had uh four months of them they took over the bar they were doing takeout out of the back door like you said troy and uh rooney and his team i mean they're doing now they're creating i mean they're, they're making their own noodles i mean they're talking about you know, moisture percentages and noodles. They're talking about, like, their own gyoza, their own everything, and they're just doing a fusion with, like, southern, Japanese, real nice, sort of eclectic, but, but very on point. Everybody seems to come in here seems to just love, love, love everything that's happening. So, I mean, that's the thing that's kind of affected us now since we opened a week, and it's been, like, uh, the last week has been just a beautiful thing. I mean, you know, I mean as far as numbers and everything, it's a beautiful thing, really.
1: Oh, that's they're, great. They're,
4: they're a very creative uh, team. They're very... They're great. They're great. So now we've decided to join uh, forces and uh, operate as Bar Sovereign with Black Dynasty as a secret ramen house in the back. So it's kind of a... It's a really cool thing. I mean, we have... we are Now we're splitting up two worlds, you know. The, yeah. The, the, the clientele that we had going on when the bar was open and then when it closed, now the ramen people and their, you know, culture... We're mixing together, and uh, I think it's messing in a really nice way, you know? It's really cool.
1: Oh, that's great. That sounds really cool, man. That's that's a good <laughs> yeah, you little, by, little oasis to have down there.
4: It is. It is. I mean, you know, in the middle of everything.
1: And tell us, uh, give us the address for our listeners.
4: It's uh, 514 Fifth Avenue South, yeah. Boom.
1: 37203.
4: It's right, uh, you'll see it. It's some Capari umbrellas out, out front. Now, we built a patio, which was cool.
1: Yeah, the patio uh, looks great. It's like, uh, you know.
4: Thank you, thank you. Me and my buddy Scotty built it in, in uh, Micah with Obsidian Ironworks built it in, I think, I don't know, three days. It was it was great. <laughs> Al
1: fresco. <laughs> yeah, that's right,
4: that's right, that's right. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah,
1: man. All right, so let's yeah. talk a little bit about this drink that you made for the book. Yeah, Um yeah. The Zika
4: cicatela it's a it's a beach on the oaxacan uh, uh puerto escondido coast it's a surf beach and that's uh so where i got the idea one of the best uh mezcals i've tried is called mala idea
1: yes it's called
4: bad bad idea so and, good uh, oh my god are you kidding me they have this, i mean every, every every one of them is good uh, yes so i got to i got to meet marcos which is a really cool guy who owns the company and uh uh, we picked up his brand. I picked up his brand, and then uh, at the end of the that month, he invited me over to his uh, his house in uh, in Puerto Escondido, which is in the Pacific on the Pacific coast in Oaxaca. And I went down there and just experienced like uh, all of his uh, mezcal[s] and stayed for a week. And just it, it's like a desert beach. I mean, there's vultures eating. Uh, you know, like sort of like. Eels on the beach it's it's wow. like, it's, like it, it's insane man it's like you know humpback whales are coming out like stingrays are jumping it's it's a, it's a desolate desolate area you know and I, I got to spend a lot of time with him there and like trying to his, his mescals and and sort of him explaining everything and as a matter of fact he's actually now uh november i think 8th he's he's starting because i'm going down there with my girlfriend beatrice and Actually, Troy, we're going to go visit on October, but uh, he said, well, You can come anytime before November 8th because I'm going to stay down there uh, full time to build my distillery. And he's building uh, a Oaxacan rum, Casucaña, uh, and then Aguardiente called Brazo Duro. Uh, and they're going to start doing production out of there. I told him, I said, Oh, well, you know, if you need anybody down there, I'll stay down there. And he's like, Yeah. I'll you're welcome too and I, was, I thought well, that was tempting but I'm, I, have to, I have a bar to run up here
1: <laughs> yeah oh that's amazing so
4: that's how it started uh, as far as the mala idea but I mean it, that sounds
1: it, it, great no I carried um, that stuff at Husk and there was no, the so good though right yeah there's like uh, salinity and vegetal notes there's some oh my god crazy briny stuff going on with with a few of them and
4: 100% dude 100% so good it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful spirit, you know. And matter of fact, I actually poured. Uh, some people came in here for a birthday, and I think oh, well, I'm gonna give them a little. You know, I like I like to in- introduce people to to spirits. That you you know, you look at them, and you think, well, they probably haven't had mezcal.
2: You know, yeah. maybe that's
4: an assumption or whatever. But you know, and uh, you you bring them a mezcal, and they're like, oh my god, this is this is amazing. You know, this is so great. I said, well, you know, you know, so check out other things. Think so tall. Think of you know, think of all these other. Oh, how you doing? But think of all these other things, you know? It's like introducing people to things like that is a beautiful thing.
1: And I've heard that the Oaxacan rum is is starting to be kind of a thing. People have been making it down there for a little while.
4: Absolutely. No, it it seems to be a surging market. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I'm excited to see what's happening. I don't know who's going to pick up that stuff uh, here in Tennessee or uh, whatever. But, uh, I mean, I hope somebody does. Hey, speaking of, I meant to ask you before before we got on this thing, but have you ever heard of a, a, something called a Nixta? N i x t a. It's a um, it's a like a corn a corn liqueur.
1: Oh wow! No, it's like
4: a it's like a Lotte liqueur. I, I mean, and I Whoa. saw some things about it, and I've asked around, but nobody seems to have it. But I saw the, the most beautiful drink the other day, and it was Nixta, uh, probably like ounce and a half, maybe. And then you have a little lemon, and then you have a little bit of uh, Montenegro, and then you have uh, just soda. Ooh. And it, apparently it's just like, I mean, it, it looks beautiful, and it seems like just such a, if you were to transfer, say, for example, like a pastis like from France to, uh, to Mexico, I think it would be the same kind of drink, right? you know. With the Italian liquor. But you know what I mean? Like it would be like, yeah. like, a, like a middle of the day, like, okay, we're having fun here, whatever. Let, you know what I mean? Uh,
1: Very interesting. Because no, I tried. I'm, I'm trying to find it. <laughs> I tried some pox last year. Oh, yeah. Which yes, is like yes, the yes. corn whiskey. You know
4: yeah, 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 yeah. That stuff's interesting. That stuff's interesting. It seems like a, it's like a neutral, neutral spirit, sort of in a way.
1: Yeah, it's a little moonshiny.
4: Yeah, yeah. But I it's suppose. Beautiful,
1: though. Yeah. Yeah, pretty interesting, that whole uh, Latin American world of, of spirits.
4: Oh, my God, there's so much shit. I mean, think about it. I mean, the people, I mean, I'm Colombian, and I remember hearing stories about the chipcha uh chewing up corn, spitting it back up into a, a gourd, and then let it ferment, and then you drink that later. I mean, I remember hearing those stories. So it's like, you know, I mean, that's there's got to be a world under there that's, you know, I mean, you know, miles and miles, miles in the big, you know?
1: So your drink has the Maliada mezcal, the Espadine.
4: Yeah, yeah.
1: And then you got the celery juice. Yeah. And the Granny Smith apple juice. This is nearly healthy.
4: Nearly. But tell nearly me
1: how healthy. you built this cocktail together here, because it's it just sounds so good.
4: Well, oddly enough, so I was I can't remember the name of the book. It's a book called Cocktail, the Cocktail Codex. That that the. uh yep they were releasing the book, and there was some sort of event here in Nashville, and uh, so we were seg- segmented off into groups and all this and that, but I remember uh, ingredients that were laying around. We were trying to make cocktails, and I remember at the time I was in Berlin with a guy from Naples, and he was a freaking, he was a badass, dude. Like, this guy didn't take any shit. He was a, he was a very accomplished bartender. A matter of fact, he's doing, like, uh, he's doing the programs for, like, these big EDM festivals, which is kind of strange, but, you know, everybody's got their niche or whatever. Yeah. But we started messing with celery and he always, you always eat celery, you know, cause he's always like, Oh, it's good for you. It's all, you know, it feels good. You mean you feel good after it.
3: Uh-huh. And I always,
4: saw, uh, you know, be like, oh, green, green apples, this and that. And I saw these ingredients and I added the cinnamon, uh, simple afterwards cause I enjoyed the taste of it. And, uh, Ken day from, um, the usbg which was in my group which i mean and I've, I've known him forever i love that guy you know he's a great guy yeah we we're in the same group and we we're just messing around and i was just like i'm gonna just throw this in and he goes yo this is a great drink you know let's uh you know he's freaking totally gone with this and i was like okay well you know we, and we had like two or three of them but i mean basically it was just an amalgamation of from before and from what was present and you know something afterwards too it's like but I just thought it was a really great, refreshing drink. Celery's great for you, you know. Like it's just something. I mean, obviously, it only keeps for like not very much, but for me, it was just refreshing, nice, you know.
1: Yeah, and you got celery and apple, Granny Smith apple, together, which makes a ton of sense with the vegetal and really nuanced flavor of the of a lot of the Mali-Dea stuff.
4: Yeah, it's so it has earthy. so
1: much going it's on. A mineral, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like it's
4: all very just. It, it takes you right there, and then the cinnamon as well is like you know it's an earthy thing. Yes, it's an inexhaustible art of the mezcal. You know, it's like you, you you know there's so many different ways to you know the mezcaleros, the palinqueros, all all these people. You know, it's like it, it's just very it's very nuanced. And I thought you know what, but but it all it's all sends back to the earth. You know, it always does. Yeah, it was a beautiful, beautiful day. I thought it was great.
1: And that's one of the defining things of mezcal is is uh, is cooking it in the earth and cooking yes, it below ground. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Which is super I've never special.
4: Had the pleasure to actually uh, see that. I haven't had the photo op like many. Like yeah. many
1: people
4: have. <laughs> but I, 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 you know, I'm sure one day I will. Yeah.
1: I think one day soon.
4: I hope so. Yeah. You know, so your recipe
1: stuff. is one and a half ounce of mezcal. Yes. Molly Then you're doing three quarter ounce celery juice, three yep. quarter ounce Granny Smith apple juice, half ounce of fresh lime juice. Yep. And then a quarter ounce of a cinnamon, cinnamon simple syrup, Demerara simple syrup. Yep. You're shaking it, serving it up in a coop. Up in a coop. Or Nick and Nora. Whatever. And then a little, uh, oh, maybe man, a little I mean, lime garnish on there. Yeah,
4: maybe a little lime garnish on there.
1: But it's good. You got a little. We got a little picture in the book, and uh, it's got that vibrant green color.
4: They, uh, and uh, you know, uh, let me just say that I, I think you, you know what you've done, and, and you know, to serve uh, the community of Tennessee and Nashville, and like what we got going on here. These are hard times. I just want to commend you, and I think you're doing a great job. Just on the record, I think you. I mean, this is just a, a beautiful thing that you're doing, and I think it's it's noble. I think it's honorable, and I think. Uh, Big big hugs, man! Big kudos to you.
1: Oh, That's right awesome. back at you, Gabe. Well, on, I love man. you, man, and uh, no, just we'll being able to do either. something here, something productive. Get well, the we <laughs> <do something, man>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> get get some recipes out there in the world, and get some uh, some some honest words down about the whole the whole mess. But uh, dude, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that Bar Sovereign is 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 here, is still with us, and, and going strong, and kind of ready to weather the storm
4: yeah we took a nap but we're back now yeah like i said thanks to black dynasty ramen they were they were hanging us and then uh hanging with us and then now we're together and we're gonna go forward it's gonna be great man it's it's gonna be a great 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 period i mean i can see it already it's only been a week and i can see just how great it's gonna be i'm excited
1: i gotta come get the ramen my my daughter will thank me she loves the ramen
4: Oh my, God, I've been, my niece loves it too. Are you kidding me? I've
1: been trying to do it here. You know, I've been doing it a little bit, but I don't even want to tell Rooney what I've been doing. He'd be mad at me because it's probably about 25% of what he's doing, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I got to come get the real deal. So you've been open there for what? Like five years? Five.
4: Yeah. 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 yeah absolutely. Five years. Oh God. It seems like.
1: That's amazing.
4: Uh, wow. Wow. I, I think i'm losing hair i'm not sure
1: what <laughs> you just start putting it back when you wake up in the morning it's on your pillow just put it back um
4: yeah, I just, I just get, some, get some glue
1: yeah there you go uh so w- what's it been like for you down there so when you i remember when you opened and a lot of people would be out there on the on the back porch or the front porch whatever looking around like you know, there's not much across the street or there's not much behind you, but then you've slowly seen the neighborhood build up and the downtown build up.
4: Oh, it's has ridiculous. that been
1: kinda wild for you?
4: No. I mean now you're surrounded. It's, it's been kinda really nice, you know, in a way, you know, the guys next door, um, there's some it's like the what they call it, home two and uh A C hotels, those guys now and the the ladies that run that, that, that show over there have now like put us into their uh you know their their room key uh you know little slots with the bar sovereign and then the guys across the street and down the street there you know we're all na- you know, it's just like it's a community it's a neighborhood you know we all talk to each other and it's like oh well hey you know if you you know like they're like oh well, i'm just gonna send people your way and then people across the street, road send people your way and we send, you know it's, it's it's symbiotic everything yeah which is super you know it, it's it's really 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 nice in a, in a place that's growing so fast you know it's still like a neighborhood aspect to it we just kind of go in the place that you would least expect it which is kind of my uh, my point that
1: you know it's like it's it's the place you would least expect it but yeah you know I mean these
4: people are they were everybody's a working person and they you know, we're, all, we're all just trying to you know have a good time support each other et cetera
1: trying to make it all work so we got to get you back for the for the Colombian drinking episode whenever that is but no, what's I'm there. what's maybe something we don't know about what is so special about drinking in Colombia where you're from
4: oh how much time you got
1: buddy <laughs> <laughs> well for the for say, the episode I'd, that yeah, we'll I'd do we've got know, two hours <laughs> yeah
4: well I can take him an hour of that. It's <laughs> But I would say uh, aguardiente is definitely a, uh, a a staple, you know, sugarcane uh, spirit, fire water. Yeah, they call aguardiente or guado. Some mm. people from uh, parts of Colombia call it guado. Mm-hmm. Or there's a very strong rum scene. Matter of fact, I got some bottles that I I, I wouldn't mind sharing with you. There's uh, tres esquinas, means three corners. There's some uh, there's some liquors from uh, an island. Uh, up the coast of Panama, there's still a protector from Colombia called San Andres, and there's some runs from there.
1: Oh, cool! There's a
4: lot of cool. There's a lot of cool stuff, man. I mean, even um, I, I came across some some rums called Parce, P-A-R-C-E, and they have an eight year and they have a twelve year. Damn, and those are they're hundred percent Colombian made. I mean, they're just be- they're beautiful, beautiful rums. I mean, they're they they're like the funky type, you know, but not like not like Smith and Cross funky, but like. Middle of the road, funky. Like I, I don't know. There's yeah. something real nice about them,
1: though. Oh, cool. So are they? Are I've they? Got
4: some. I, I, you got to try them. I'm, i gonna make you try them. You, you have to do it.
1: All right, that's a deal, <laughs> dude. Are they drinking the Aguardiente straight, or are they making cocktails with it?
4: Uh, just straight. Yeah. Just straight. I mean, you know, you go to the beach. I was ra- when I was I was raised in Cartagena, which is on the coast, and uh, you know, people would just go out there and they just have it on ice. And they just pour shots every, you know, I don't know, 15, 10, 20 minutes, you know, and it is, I mean, you know, it's uh, it's like a bacchanalia, but like an uh, adult, yeah. you know, like sort of like just go, and you, you find your place in there somewhere. And it's a beautiful thing. I mean, you know, that's great. And that's another, that's another conversation. Though.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what we'll do. That's what we'll get into next time.
4: No, no, for sure. Hey, the I, complex
1: yeah. world of Columbia with Gabe when we uh-huh. are.
4: Also just drinking and inhibition. Yeah. <laughs> <Great thing. laughs>
1: we'll have to do that on a time where we can be back in like the studio all together with bottles of rum sitting around. I'd
4: love it. I'd love it. I'd
1: love it. All right. Well, thanks so much, Gabe. Appreciate you. Dude,
4: thank you so much, man. Hey, uh, freaking uh, like I said, keep on doing what you're doing. You're, friggin', you're a beacon, baby. You're a beacon.
1: So are you, buddy. Go see Gabe and uh, all the fam at Bar Sovereign and get you get you some Black Dynasty ramen, amazing ramen, and uh, amazing people. Bar Sovereign's down on Fifth Avenue, downtown Nashville.
4: You guys come on down anytime.
1: All right. Thanks so much to Gabe for hopping on the phone lines with us here and talking all about what's going on with him and the uh, Black Dynasty ramen folks that are um, taking over his kitchen, which is cool. They've been doing that since uh, before the pandemic started and it kind of helped them get through. So it was cool to hear about that. And now, finally, on the line, we are going to get Mr. Booze News himself, Mr. Kenneth Dedman, coming up. On the line, Mr. Kenneth Dedman. How are you, sir?
0: Super good, dude. Super bored. Right Take on. Some uh, Fountain Coca Cola for the first time in a couple of years. Freaking pumped. Like, I've never been pumped before.
1: Aerated bubbles. Haven't
0: had, I haven't had goddamn corn syrup in a long time.
1: Yeah, you getting jacked?
0: It's a weird kind of jacked, man.
1: We, uh, in our uh, long-form content meeting earlier this week, you know, we could give our listeners a little hint of what's to come. Did Coca-Cola give a shot in the arm to Santa Claus? Coming up on future episodes of Liquid Gold.
0: It's a good one. Yeah, of course, well, Santa Claus was already there, but Coca-Cola really like Yeah, he was there. He was there. Went Christopher Nolan on him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. made him yeah. their own. <laughs> they went into a time quake.
0: They gave him a colorway. They could afford, they could afford
1: Hobby Lobby. Print
0: anyway, <laughs> like it's probably also a really great story about like the print industry turning a corner. Pre-suffrage, pre-prohibition America.
1: Fuck! Oh, can't wait. Can't wait to dive more into that uh, as we get closer to the holidays and beyond right here on the show. Now, we've been previewing a little bit here and there bits from Lost Spring, How We Cocktail Through Crisis. All uh, We've got 54 or so different recipes. I think it's 54 different cocktail recipes, cordial recipes. Yeah. And we've got one from you, Mr. Kenneth Edmond. Liquid Gold Fame, Husk sure. Bar's Top Whiskey Seller, six years running. <laughs> Officially. Unofficially. Hey, you've got a recipe in there and you think of it as kind of a day drink, is that right?
0: Yeah. Uh let's hear morning it. Morning drink. Morning drink.
1: Morning um, drink. What's what's it called?
0: It's called the green the green vaccine. So yeah. timely. Do you have uh do you have Disney Plus?
1: Um Oh, you know I do. Yeah, it was my Christmas gift. Uh it was one of my Christmas gifts like to the family this past year.
0: That's pretty dope. Green vaccine, the cocktail. It came from the Little Mermaid, man. Yeah. Um, so in the beginning of the Little Mermaid, Ariel takes a pipe that she finds in a shipwreck up to uh, the very unwise yet wise um, seagull, uh-huh. and he names it and he talks about it was invented as a... Explaining how human beings just sit around and stare at each other and they invented a pipe to play music with. And that's all I was doing was sitting around and staring and I decided to grow wheatgrass. And that's all I did for like two weeks was sit and stare at seeds sprouting and sprouts uh, popping and grass growing. Literally every day watching grass grow.
1: That's cool. That sounds productive.
0: It it was time-consuming. The rest of the ingredients were just shit that I had laying around that would make sense for kind of like a wake-up call, like a cocktail after a glass of water early in the morning before I go for my uh, brisk walk. I had uh, some blue coat gin and freshly juiced wheatgrass. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of cut it prematurely. You're supposed to let it grow till it's about five to seven inches, but I cut it right around three to four. And uh, it was actually like sweeter than it was. Yeah, that tall, young like wheatgrass. Yeah. So that uh, that was about a ounce. Um, depending on the morning of that week, you know, like it was a, it was a variable uh, amount of wheatgrass, but um, a little bit of citrus and splash of Fernet Branca. And I shook it to kind of aerate it. Because I was about to drink coffee, and I kind of just wanted to absorb it, and uh, popped a little cayenne pepper on top of there, too. Nice. Well-layered.
1: Sounds like a cleanse cocktail. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Um, Pre-coffee, which, you know what comes after the coffee, typically, more coffee. Sure. But yeah, I called it the green vaccine, because I continue to be really in need of the vaccine, and... Goddamn wheatgrass, it can turn your teeth green for a few minutes, but it's a super like power boost. It's high in protein. it's just got the the sheer like power of the sun. It's the first plant from the earth, grasses, that absorbs the sun and hits the air and reaches for the air. And you can you can definitely kind of taste it because it is grass.
1: It's always a fun shock to the system to take a shot of wheatgrass, cause it's like, oh yeah, that's that is what grass would taste like, you yeah. know? Cause it's like yeah. you mow the lawn and it hits your it hits your nostrils, the aroma hits your head. It's summertime, you smell it around the neighborhood maybe, but yeah, when you when you take a shot of wheatgrass, you're like, yep, that that is fucking grass. All right, it appears it is time for. News with Uh, Kenneth Dedman, uh, even later, summer 2020 edition. What's booze worthy out there, Kenneth?
0: Mike, we're going to follow up on the fires in California. Oof. Holy shit. As if shit ain't worse, um, there is an insurance loophole that grape growers are scrambling to figure out on their crop insurance regarding smoke taint so smoke taint would be something we covered on our last episode it uh it involves what's called uh, volatile phenols which is a naturally occurring compound that's in the ground you kind of want it because it's kind of a fertilizer for a lot of plants but it is also released in situations like a forest fire which can pass over a very young crop an immature crop um in a vineyard early in season and not be detectable at all until after fermentation. Now, science has proven that certain grapes absorb these volatile phenols straight into the juice, which is something that can be tested. Uh, It's actually required by insurance companies to get an independent tester to test the juice for violent phenols. But apparently, the skin and the vine can absorb three to five times that amount from an early season testing. Therein lies the loophole. Uh, it is only after fermentation that the rest of said volatile phenols, which is just like a flavor compound, it adds like a, a smoke flavor from a fire, but also when you're aging, um, when you're aging something in a in a wooden barrel. That's, that's where you get a
1: lot of vanilla flavors as well. It's intense. So um, according to
0: most uh, insurance um, policies in California and California law, a vineyard owner must have multiple independent tests for volatile phenols throughout the season. And should they have, should they have a forest fire, no matter what time of year, they must file for it then. Therefore, all California grape growers in danger right now are scrambling to look at their insurance policies to make sure that their, their clause uh, does, number one, cover a uh, disaster like the forest fires, and also whether they're doing these independent tests to begin with. Uh, a lot of older, larger companies do this, but it's uh, apparently overlooked in a lot of smaller, younger vineyards.
1: Wow!
0: <sighs> Holy fuck!
1: It's intense. Where do you see it? Where? Do, what do you see happening with all
0: this? A lot of um, struggling uh, wine producers are not going to know that their shit's fucked until much later, because um, apparently they call them VPs, the volatile phenols, but they they do dissipate over distance. So certain vineyards, certain certain vineyards a long distance away that see a lot of smoke are going to be fine. But also, different uh, wine varietals react to the air pollution a lot differently. Apparently, Syrah is uh, very receptive to forest fire smells. And uh, that's funny because I think I've had a lot of California, Oregon, Washington state Syrahs that tasted really smoky, and perhaps that's where it came from. So, every vineyard has to have every varietal tested as well. Wow. Pretty neat. But incredibly scary and easily overlooked.
1: Crazy. That's good stuff. What else you got?
0: Yeah. Dude, I'm still drinking that. I'm almost done with the Coca Cola, which is great because I. You're going to crash. A Coca Cola story. Oh, perfect. They bought the rights in 2017 to Topo Chico, and they are in test market in Latin America of Topo Chico seltzer, hard seltzer. Doing
3: oh, it. boy.
0: It's definitely for U.S. distribution at the end of the year, um, and they don't have much else to say about it other than, like, they, they didn't even give, like, flavor ideas, but I imagine it'll just be Topo Chico and lime.
1: You know, they have their uh, lime and their grapefruit. were are making inroads last year. I, I started to see them around the market here in Middle Tennessee. Um. And I thought they were they were they were okay. I thought they were pretty good. They weren't as good as I thought they would be. They weren't as special as the full on, regular, um, salty. I guess slightly salty, but that's what always sticks out to me with Topo Chico is that beautiful kind of salty pop that you get that goes so well with food, goes so well with drinks, and especially well, agave drinks.
0: Be, mind you, these are going to be canned. And not bottled. So they're basically just going to be a a seltzer with the Topo Chico. Dude, there's a song, Topo Chico
1: and Lime. Have you ever heard it? Yeah, the song. Yes. Yeah.
0: It's like a free endorsement. I don't know. He probably got paid more. He probably didn't get paid to make that song.
1: What else you got for booze news this week?
0: In New York City or New York State, mind you. This isn't recent news. It's uh, three weeks ago in New York but it doesn't really affect me, so it's new to me. Um, uh, Governor Cuomo uh, signed legislation allowing um, hard liquor in ice cream sales. Prior to this month, Um, up until 2008, alcohol was not allowed in any ice cream in the great state of New York. But 2008, legislation allowed wine and uh, later beer and hard ciders were allowed. But now the floodgates are open for companies like Gilligan's, which is a pretty fucking big brand of New York ice cream. They're immediately releasing uh, bourbon, vanilla, fireball, daiquiri, margarita, blah, 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 blah. Wow. Alcoholic ice cream. And one more thing, dude.
1: That'll make my wife happy. She loves boozy ice cream concoctions. Uh, (laughs) Royal
0: Caribbean. I spent a good... About amount of the afternoon looking up the Royal Caribbean blog at royalcaribbeanblog.com. A gentleman named Matt Hochberg basically lays out the entire, re- like, number one, every reason to get a, uh, a Royal Caribbean cruise. But every reason to pick up every option that you can. Namely, the, the Ultra drink package. Uh, um, this guy is amazing. Uh, Mike, are you familiar with Royal Caribbean and the deals that they have going on right now? No. The drink package costs more than the cruise. Oh, wow. It's insane, dude. And it's not that bad. And, uh, like, I was blown away by Matt's reasoning. Um, You can pay off a drink. This is quote. You can pay off a drink package on a different billing cycle. Mm. A different billing cycle than you can the deposit. And that's going to be a different billing cycle than you put up for the cruise costs. And then the next billing cycle would be your onboard charges. So Royal Caribbean is out here making deals. Matt Hotchberg at Royal Please check it out and get back to us and let us know what you think. It's a very trollable site. I'd like to encourage y'all to have fun out there.
1: I thought you had a sponsor. I didn't know about No,
0: no it's a trollable um advertisement and trollable uh, opportunities with Kenneth Edmund it's an affordable it's affordable affordable affordable
1: trollable affordable (laughs) (laughs) say no more
0: that's booze news man
1: excellent thanks for bringing the heat as always going after him man so if I sat down at your bar right now and I was like you know I'm just really into mezcal right now like a lot remember when people used to say that I'm just really into mezcal right now. What do you got? What do you got? What are yeah, you making? What are you making me, me? Show me what you got. Yeah, no, I'm asking you. What are you making me? I want you to get real creative.
0: Uh, I don't know, mezcal, uh, orange juice, and Campari, equal parts, real quick.
1: Ooh, you shaking that up?
0: Shake it in a highball. Uh, layer it in a uh, layer it on the rocks.
1: Any soda or anything? I'd ask that. Yeah. Cool. I dig it. All right. Well, that was a jam-packed episode of Liquid Gold here today on We Own This Town, Town.net, the We Own This Town podcast network. Head to the Nashville scene, nashvilescene.com, and vote for We Own This Town for best podcast network. Vote for, of course, Liquid Gold as your favorite podcast, the best podcast. Got to say thanks to Patrick Goodspeed for chiming in today, Jessica Backus from Charleston, and the delaney oyster house oh just an amazing place had one of my favorite meals of the year that that i think about all the time now that uh the world is just different um thanks to gabe from bar sovereign for chiming in as well great to talk to him gotta throw a shout out to tennessee action for hospitality helping uh our comrades and teammates with assistance and grants funds to uh to help everyone through this crisis is managed by the community foundation of middle tennessee so shout out to them as well they've done so much for the tornado efforts also sprout house for helping us get the word out about this ebook lost spring how we cocktailed through crisis and it's raw it's uh, honest there's a lot of emotion to what's going on there so thanks to everybody from turner publishing for um getting this out and for and to stephanie bowman Who really um, had this idea that, you know, we should do something to help the community and just try to rally everybody in support of a good cause, which is to help each other. So thanks to Michael Eads, our producer here at We Own This Town. For my co-host, Mr. Kenneth Dedman, we'll be back next week. Agave month has been slightly extended as we head to the uh, wild deserts of northern and central Mexico in search of Sotol with our man adam morgan who i always thought was mexican but actually isn't um <laughs> he'll get a kick out of that that's our little uh that's our little inside joke but we'll be talking to adam morgan next week on the show thanks to upright t-rex music for the tunes just matching for the logo and, and the lovely lost spring cover as well my name's mike wolf and we'll see you next time right here on liquid gold